Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I was surprised that this this one happened, I'll be honest with you. You know, first of all, Nesson hates me. They don't want any other guys on. So Dave O'Brien had to, it seems like, uh, for months plead and beg for Nesson to allow him to come in. I've been real critical of O'Brien all year. Obviously, I've called him a dummy, a dope, a moron. He's a lousy announcer. He's you know married to the media guy. His voice is fake. His hair is fake. It's dyed. Everything you could say about the guy I said of him, I figured O'Brien would never come on ever. I crossed him off the list. We tried a lot. It didn't happen. But give this guy credit. He came in, and I asked him everything as much as I could. O'Brien answered every question. We sat down. It was actually a lot of fun. I've always liked O'Brien as a guy. He's a good guy. Again, give him a lot of credit. Not a lot of other people in town would do this. O'Brien came in, answered all the questions, gave some good answers, a good spirited back and forth with the voice of the Red Sox, Dave O'Brien. All right, let's finally uh, end this controversy right now, Dave. Uh, let's get it out of the way. Which hair dye product do you use? <laughs> How long have you been using it for? All right. It's dripping right now. I can see it on your jacket. i got to jump you on this right now because it, I'm 5'9". Right. I'm 53. Yeah. I don't have a lot going. Okay. I could take you up back right now and horse and kick your ass. Well, join the club, by the way. That's it's, the it's, only thing. I got this, that going, and I got my hair. Castiglione could kick my ass. There's, there's, a, there's a long line of people. Vince Scully could beat me right now. He talks about it. He yeah. talks about it. Right? <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure but he does. Honest to God. Yes. Uh, and I don't know how to prove this right, other than I will. Come here. Let me see. I'm going to run take, my hands through it. it. Go ahead. There's gel in it. You know this there's gel. gel in it. Yeah, there's some product. Because I got it's got to stick up a little bit. Sure. But I swear to God, and I know you've, you've said this on the air about me, that he's got to stop dying. If you think that I'm dyeing my hair mm-hmm. after today, <laughs> I have not done my job by being here. I'm sitting here. That's face why to you face. came here. The biggest reason I came here is because you're vain. You're a vain TV guy. I'm a vain TV guy. Know. I got a lot more hair than you do, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, congratulations. But I, but I mean, if if my neighbors are saying, "Hey, uh, do you dye your hair like like?" Oh, is says? that is that what's going on? Well, one of them did. That's you know, all the, it takes, right? That's and I'm like, come on, I don't dye my hair. I mean, I put a little gel in it; it looks darker. But now that you're sitting here, I, I hate to to begin a conversation this way because it does sound vain. You're right. It's okay. But when you're looking at me, do you really think I put crap in my hair? And, well, you just said you put stuff in your hair. Well, I put gel in it. So if you're doing gel, why not the natural next step? Well, I, all right, let me. Okay, I'll believe you because I, I don't think have to. You're a nice guy, and you swear to God, and I think you're a religious guy, right? <laughs> Are you or no? Bit, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I go to church. So if you're going to swear to God, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm going to believe you. But I'll ask you this: as a TV guy, yeah, if it started going gray. Are you vain enough that you would do the paint? Because I think I, I, men should not dye their hair. I agree. I think. So you would go. You, you'd be all in. I agree. Now, you see a little bit of gray coming in on my temples, right? Tiny bit. Yeah, very warm. Are you going to show me all the hair in your body? I, just, I mean, this is a very – this, the, the this next, is not where I thought this was going to go. Next, neither did I. Believe <laughs> yes. me. I was, I was, I was kind of hoping it would. Right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that if, if you go gray, let it go. Okay. And my old man did, but my old man had his hair – Black, jet black until he was like 60. Yeah. So I don't know how that happened. Okay. I inherited the one thing from my dad was 6'2". I didn't get any of that. Right. The one thing I got was pretty a pretty good head of hair. All right. And it's my color. Never put anything in it. And to your point, I never will. Okay. 
So I'm, I'm going to believe you on okay, that one. Right, we'll move yeah. on from the hair thing. Good, good, good. We chase people all the time to come on this podcast. I think you'll find this hard to believe. A lot of people don't want to come on with me <laughs> to do this podcast. <laughs> I give you all the credit in the world. A or Nesson, I know they hate me. You, you decide to come on here. And you actually, we, we initially asked to do it. You said no. Uh, but then you came back at Ben, Ben Kitchen, my producer, yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago, said you wanted to come back on. What changed? Well, I've been wanting to do it all year, actually. Yeah. I wanted to do it in the spring because I felt like there were probably some things that I should address. Yeah. You know how this business works. It's not always your decision. True. I think there was some sensitivity about the controversy of the play-by-play switch mm-hmm. that rubbed some people raw. They didn't want to talk about it. They wanted to get into the season. I was allowed to, to be talked into it. I wish between you and I that back in the spring I had said um, – Let's do it because I've never turned down an interview in my life. Right, and there's no reason for me to. Did do you do that. a lot? Did you turn down more stuff than just me in this? Yeah, spring? there was oh, a lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of conversation about, hey, don't do that, don't do that. I don't want to get all into that because now it feels like ancient history. Well, we're but, gonna we'll get there a little bit. But, at some but, point. but what I what I wanted was to to be able to sit down and and talk about a lot of these things because I think they now I think it's probably ancient history that a lot of people don't care. But because, oh, you'd be surprised. But I've gone through an entire yeah, season yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as yeah. the television voice of the Red Sox. Sure. Um, you either like it or you don't, or you still have an opinion. or whatever. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I get that. But uh, over time, I feel like it'll settle in and feel more normal to everybody. But at that time, back in the spring, it wasn't feeling normal to a lot of people. If you could do it again, do it all over again, would you have done that? What I thought was, because you're, uh, listen, you're a well-credentialed man. You know, you've done Red Sox on the radio forever, national stuff on the radio, women's Final Four. Would you have done that thing at the start of the year in Nesson where you kind of went on the air and gave your gave your credentials and your resume? Yeah. It just seemed to me an odd choice. Odd choice. No? Um, um, Everybody know? Don't you think people know who you are? You made it sound like you're some guy coming from, you know, like uh, I was told by a Cheyenne. I was told by a TV executive, people don't know who you are here. There's a Nesson executive? I, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but it was somebody who sat me down and said, in this market, it, it, they know you on radio. Right. But you, you know, did ESPN. ESPN for 16 years. Right. I, I, I felt like when I heard that, I felt like, wow. Um, did you believe it? I guess I did. I really? Guess, I guess I felt, and here's why. Mm-hmm. I'm on Monday Night Baseball sure. for years and years. Yeah. Well, Red Sox fans are not watching that much Monday Night. If the club is off, they're not watching – if, right. if the club is playing, they're watching the Red Sox. You probably know I do a lot of college basketball. Yeah, no, nobody's watching. I mean, statistically, no one's watching that here. Not here. But but people are in their cars listening to the – how many years do you do Red Sox radio? Nine. Eight, nine. So yeah. I would say most of the Red Sox fans watching on right. Nesson listen to you over those nine So you years. think it was a mistake to, to go on the air and say, look, for those of you who don't know – It just uh, felt like – it felt minor league. It felt beneath you. It did. It felt like, okay. hey, I'm Dave O'Brien. You weren't like, alone. There were people who it, reached out to me who said the same hey, thing. Hey, come watch me. Do like I'm like, we, we know who you are. You did a great job on the radio. Don't do that. It, I was, felt, it was honestly – I felt like you – to me, it felt like not quite a hostage video, but it felt like you didn't want to do it. Ah, because I did want to do it. You did. So, okay, that's yeah. interesting. So, I, was, I, I, I felt like I had come to – I thought about this all winter, yeah. about how am I going to come on the air after everything that happened? And with some sensitivity and try and present, you know, at least a, a, a basic resume of who I am. Maybe in retrospect, hearing what you say, maybe it wasn't the, the proper thing to do. I didn't think it offended anybody. No, I, no, no. I don't no, think it no, changed no. anyone's opinion of what I mean, you make up your own mind, whether this guy's any good or not. Well, that's different, yeah. But I, so I, but I think that in, in that case, given, given the opportunity to do it again, maybe I wouldn't do it again. Maybe, to your point... 
uh, I didn't feel like everybody knew, hey, I, I'm a local guy. Right. I was born and raised here. I grew up a Sox fan coming to Fenway Park. I've, I've called the World Series eight or nine times, all that <laughs> stuff. And maybe I needed to, to show, hey, I'm credible to have this gig. Did you feel like, and one of my other criticisms, I criticized you a lot during the year. I'll admit it. You know, we're here face-to-face. Uh, I thought you were really good in the radio. I thought this first year, it seemed to me, and you could tell me where I'm wrong, it seemed to me like you never quite got comfortable calling the games. It felt like you were not really sure. It seemed like you were just a little, defensive is not the right word, a little timid at times ah, this year. Okay. Maybe that's because you had to work with 76 different guys during the games. <laughs> I don't know. That it is fe- part of it. it. It felt like you were... You just couldn't quite – maybe next, next year I'm sure it would be much better. And, and when I argue this with Jerry, and most listeners and callers, by the way, have your back, most of them say, well, you know, Remy's never sounded better, which I agree. I thought Remy had a good year, so I guess you have to get some credit for that. But did you feel uncomfortable all year, or am I overthinking it? Not all year. I think at the beginning of the season I felt like um, I'm working with three different partners. Mm-hmm. I'm working for a brand-new network. I'm working in a position I haven't been in before. A brand new, oh, brand new network for you. Brand new right, network you. for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and you know as well as I do, when, you, when you're working for a, a, a brand new entity, they want you to do things one way. Sure. You may have a skill set that's something else. Mm-hmm. So it's a work in progress. It evolves over time. I thought as the year went on, I did get more comfortable with the position. I'm not going to say right off the bat I was. But I think if you drew a conclusion on me in April and May – that wasn't accurate in July, August, and September. So I got more comfortable with working with Dennis Eckersley here on a Tuesday, Jerry Remy on a, on a Monday, and then Steve Lyons for a nine-game West Coast swing mm-hmm. as the season went along. But it, I would say it, it took a little time for me, and I think it would have for any announcer. Right. Well, when, did you know, like, when I'm, so when I'm watching the games on Nesson, you know, there were nights I knew you'd be there. I didn't know who the color guy was going to be. And that seemed to me to be strange. I'd like to know. I'd like to get some idea. Was it? Did it seem behind the scenes? Was it as sort of uh, was the disconnect as strong? Did you know who was going to be announcing with you a week from Thursday? Say, uh, no, not all the time. No, no. And uh, I think they put out a schedule, uh, an internal schedule, at some point. And I can't say I read, you know, through to the end of August, right. whether or not. No, I know. But did you Lions know was going to be there? Did you know it was working the next series all the time? Generally, yeah, uh, but I, you know, you know, baseball's like this. It's 162 games. It feels like a siege sometimes. Yeah. As much as I love it, love being there, it's every single night you're there. By the t- I get there at 2.30 in the afternoon, sometimes leave at midnight. Mm-hmm. That's the way it works, and you're prepping before you ever go to the ballpark. It's all day. You feel like you've put in 17 hours. You're not really concentrating on, well, you know, July 1st, I've got yeah, Dennis yeah, Eckersley yeah, yeah, for yeah, three yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. So. And to me, it's not that material until the guy gets in the booth. And then, yeah, things do change. Eck looks at the game a lot differently than Jerry does. Uh, Lyons approaches the game far. His cadence is different. Mm -hmm. Uh, His approach to how he sees a mistake made is different than the other two guys. So I think that's the, the area that I had to adapt to. And I tried to make, I mean, I go into every game hoping I can make my analyst better. I really do look at that as, as a huge part of what I do, trying to bring out the best in, in them. And, and I, I appreciate what you say about Jerry Remy and giving me some credit for that because Jerry does. Uh, Jerry came into the season looking to prove some things, and I oh. thought he knocked it out of the ballpark. He had a good, I, thought, I thought he had a really good year. 
I thought he had a great year. But I do get the sense, and I've heard this from people, that Nesson, in a way, is trying to sort of push him out, push him aside. Do you get I mean, what, what if it's up to Remy, I'm guessing he'd work more than he's working. Yes, right? I, I, think, I think that's true, and I think you're likely to see that. You think he'll do more games next year? I think based on what he did this year, and look, this, he's going to be 30 years in. Right, he's not I don't, I don't think he honestly has to, but my point is, He's proven himself. He's proven himself in in this market. He's he's become an iconic analyst. I think he had a great year at the microphone. I think he's he's probably put himself in a position to do this for many more years to come. I don't know what the thought process is because no one shared any of that with me. But Jerry has, and I know Jerry would like to be at the microphone for several years to come. I'd love to see that. Well, we were just talking before we got on the air, and I was complaining about the uh, meeting I had with the dopes and management, right? These idiots who try and... Some some are smart, some aren't. It was a frustrating meeting. Uh, and sometimes I want to say to these guys, I understand you do this and this is your job, but we're in there every day. We know what works and doesn't work. You said management didn't talk to you at all during the year about that. Doesn't that drive you crazy sometimes? Don't you want to say to them, I know, listen, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. I'm not saying that my answer is the be-all, end-all, but can you ask me? Can I have a voice? Sure, I think we all feel that way. I, I think that if if we all get in a room and talk about it, it's always better. And if they li- if everybody listens to the guys uh, in the booth at the microphone, we're all going to be better off. Of course I feel that way. I've right. got an ego just like you do. Uh, but uh, You have an ego just like mine? Maybe not like yours. Okay. Maybe <laughs> half of you. Okay, wow. Well, but, but look, if you're, you're going to do this job, right. you better have sure. a strong opinion of your ability. Yes, and, and a thick skin. And a thick skin, you've right. got to, You've got to have that too. And I think that, and especially in Boston, no that doubt. really goes with the territory. And you know as well as I do, that's not just announcers, uh, certainly not. It's ball players first and foremost, mm-hmm. athletes, general managers, coaches. I don't put myself on that level with with those people. I, I think we're commenting on what they do. Right. We're analyzing what they do, but we're somewhere in there. Somewhere in that stratosphere. But. Did you, did you uh, the other criticism I laid on you a lot more, and Jerry really had your back all year. I don't know how much you listen. You probably don't listen that much. But uh, we would play some sounds where I thought it was a little, and I understand you guys are the home announcers. The homer angle to me got a little strong as the year went on. Really? Do you get pressure from Nesson or the Red Sox ever? Do they give you any notes? Don't be critical. Don't say this. Don't say that. Absolutely not. Because we did play a cut of you saying how much you like hugging Xander Bogarts at the end of the year. Oh, well, I mean, he's a great kid. Yeah. He's a great. But if that's a homer, I mean, what, well, was, what was Johnny most to you? Total homer. But well, I was nine years old. I was 11 years old. I wasn't 40 years old. Hawk Harrelson's a great guy. What about Hawk Harrelson? I don't think he's a great announcer, though. That well, should not be your model. But uh, I, it, no, you know. Nor is it. But I'm saying <clears throat> when you're, when you're, if you call someone a homer. Right. Well, Mike Gorman, I had Mike Gorman on. He said, I'm a homer, Kirk. I'm, yeah. I'm a homer. I, was, I said, you know, when I listen to it sometimes, and he said, well, that's kind of part of my job. We're the home team. We're, we're, we're not, you know, when you do a Monday night game for ESPN, obviously it's different. And we're doing Red Sox, White Sox for the for the, for Nesson, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, are you watching the game rooting for the Red Sox to win? Oh, sure. Okay, so then you're... I want I want the Red Sox to right. win. Right. So but... I mean, you know, so then I guess you'd have to say you're a homer to some extent, right? But to me, what I think it's the difference in, in what we call that it's and how man- we identify yeah. that. Go ahead. A homer uses us, we, good guys, bad guys, openly sugarcoats right events that occur in the game mm-hmm. to shade for the home team. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. I will never do that. I feel I'm far more candid than you're giving me credit for. Okay, well, give me an example. In that sense. Well, I thought I was one of the first ones to call out David Price for underperformance. Right. I thought that I mean, there were a couple of times I walked into that clubhouse and I had face-to-face meetings with players 
over things that I said on the air that they considered very critical. Now, is it with a classic example where they didn't really get the full story? They heard it from somebody else and it got lost in the middle or A no? little bit. That always yeah. happens. That always happens. But I don't think that happens to somebody who is sugarcoating, who is homing for a ball club. Were you critical of Farrell's in-game decisions? Sure. There were times yeah. I absolutely how was. how was he with that? Not great. No? Uh, at the end of the season, for example, David Price against the Yankees was allowed to start a seventh inning. I yep. don't think he should have been allowed to start. Right. Said so on the air. Now, I don't know what time you go to bed. I watch the games. You watch all the games? I, I try to. I mean, I don't watch every single game, but I, I watch that game. Yeah. And, and, you, p- and you heard me say, hey, look, I don't think this is a first guess, not a second guess. Right. You heard me say that. I'm sure I, I, I'm sure you said it. I don't well, call. Okay. I'm sure you said it. I but, mean, if you somebody you're going to lie to me, I'm sure right. you said it. Uh, you, can go and, you can go reel it back if you want. But right. the bottom line is, you know, if, if you're not hearing that, you're probably not hearing my candid nature on the air enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's at odds with calling someone a homer. The one thing I would say is probably early in the season, I was really enthusiastic about the fact that this was a, a team was re- actually good, uh, actually a good ball right. club. The, right. the last two years, you know, it was sucked, very yeah. tough right. to watch. Mm-hmm. So probably, you know, when Hanley's off to such a good start, when David Ortiz is having the early, when Mookie Betts is having the Pedroia, Porcello, I could go on and on. Mm-hmm. I was probably real enthusiastic about that personally as well as professionally um but then if you look at how it it finished up kirk i mean the club won the division oh, a great year regular season bets could win he's gonna the win the mvp, MVP. yep uh, i don't know if he will he yeah, might i think he probably will porcello could definitely win the cy young you know ortiz had a great year so when you in retrospect maybe i was on to something yeah maybe <laughs> maybe maybe in, in that sense but i mean the way but no that, but nothing from nesson no no john henry no nesson no nothing I, I swear to you on the souls of my kids that, <laughs> okay. that nobody right. has ever, in any job I've ever had, mm-hmm. this isn't the first one I've ever had. Right. I've worked for three other Nobody's ball ever given you a note ever? Notes in terms well, of- Well, I'm saying in terms of, you know- Direction on yes. what to say. Yes. Absolutely not. And I would never accept that. Hmm. Never accept that kind of, I mean, you want to talk about in your face and overboard, and I would never, I, I would back out of that room and run. Yeah, that doesn't happen. That never happened to me, mm-hmm. and ha- has not happened. No one at Nesson has ever directed me on. Don't be critical. Uh, say this. Be more positive. Roll more enthusiasm. What? Not one second of that. And and certainly nobody at the Red Sox. In fact, I would say that one of the reasons I'm in that position is because I have more of a reputation for being candid and being outspoken. Uh, and and I don't know if you felt that way when I was on the radio, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I've always I thought, felt I was yeah, that way. I, I think I'm far more in line with a Sean McDonough style of broadcast, who's a great friend of mine, and I know you admire him tremendously. Well, McDonough went on a, a Monday Night Football game and dumped on the product the other night. I mean, took a steaming dump on the product. I yeah. mean, would you do that? Uh, I would have said that differently. Yeah. But Sean has a reputation for, you know, for being that way and for being outspoken. Now, the argument is that's why he wasn't here anymore, you know, all those yeah. years ago. Uh, I, I think it was more than that. No, I know, but I'm saying that was one of the – that seems to be one of the things, no? Right. I, I, I think what, what he said the other night is laudable in that he went after the referees when there were like 19 flags right. in a really bad football game. game. However – it's not the only reason ratings are down. No, there's a million reasons. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, and Sean understands that. And mm-hmm. I, I don't. I mean, he said a lot of courageous things on the air. I, I didn't think that was as big a deal as some other things that he has he has said. 
a lot of people are, are saying, well, oh, my God, how can you say that? Well, that's Sean. Right. Uh, Sean's going to go after referees if sure. they're doing a bad job, and yeah. I thought he was right in that case. I get the sense that Remy wants to take my friend Alex Spear and throw him out of the booth literally <laughs> during the game. It looks like that's the last place on earth Remy wants to be is talking uh, analytics with Alex Spear. True or false? Um. Boy, that's a great question. I've never asked him about that. Oh, but come on. Come on. Come on. You do games with him. If Alex is coming in the next inning, if he likes, you say, oh, great, Alex is coming. If He's not, quieter with Alex than I am. Much. I, much. I like talking to Alex because I learn something every time I do. I love having him in. Yeah. There have been a couple of times I held him over an extra half inning. Right. Maybe not everyone was. Alex gets, he's a friend of mine. He gets wordy, though. He gets wordy. He can talk, yeah. which is not the worst thing we're doing TV, I know. But it's great stuff. Yeah. It's great stuff. You always, you always learn something you didn't know going in. I think that's one of the things that, that Remy does exceptionally well. And I think a lot of analysts, I've worked with about 200 analysts mm-hmm. between ESPN and my other jobs and, and Nesson. Who's the worst one you ever had? Boy, the toughest guy I ever worked with was Mike Lansing. Oh, the old yeah, yeah, yeah. One game, right? And he knew when he walked out of the booth, his career never was never doing it again. His career was oh, over geez. at that point. Not a bad guy, right? But I'm like, um, boy, I felt like uh, I carried seven hundred pounds on my shoulders for right. for four hours. Yeah, you know. Do you think? Do you like all three of these guys? I do. I mean, I've uh, I like them because they're all different. They all give me something else. Right. It's it's not the easiest thing in the world to work with. Three guys who are as different. Steve and I had this conversation, and I'm not talking out of school, but somewhere in August, and I said, well, cadence-wise, where I need to come in to call a play, I, would you be happy doing it this way? We, we had that conversation, yeah. and it was a chemistry thing. Right. And I thought we ironed it out, and it got the last nine or ten games we worked together, I thought were, were excellent. But then, you know, I'm back working with someone else, and I have to reset how I call a game. But if you're if you're saying Remy's going to do more games next year, that's going to be at the expense of someone else. I'm going to assume it's not Eckersley, who everybody loves. Is it going to be Lions? I don't know. I honestly, no one's had that conversation with me. Nobody talks to you about anything, huh? You just show up, leave, show up. Um, yeah, pretty much. Really? Pretty much. You're not a I, gossip I, guy. I know that's well. I I do like to gossip. I've heard yeah. that about you, by yeah. the way. I do. My like sources to have told me that. I'm I, not going to say it's Mutt, but I'm just. I will not give away my sources. <laughs> I, I'm not the kind of guy. Who I does love that. Mutt, and I. And Everybody he, loves him. He and I gossiped like two little schoolgirls the entire time that, that he was there, and I was there on the radio side. Sure, sure. And off and on the air, actually. Right. But so you don't. So you don't know it'll be. But Eck can. Oh, Eck only wants to do so many games, right? That's that's, that's what I hear all. The that's time. been my understanding, and and he has expressed his. Uh, he doesn't have a great desire to travel much, right? At at this point in his career, he's earned that, right? He's... Um, so my my guess is he, you know, but if if somebody said to me tomorrow, somebody called me from Nesson and said X going to do more or less, I wouldn't be shocked by that. If somebody said Jerry's going to do 125 games, I wouldn't be shocked by that either. And you're okay with that? You don't want a traditional booth. I like it as traditional a booth as I can get. I'll yeah. be honest with do you. you. Like, would you prefer a three man booth, or do you not like that? Uh, it depends on the three men. The guys who the Mets are good. The Mets are the Mets are really good, yeah. and I, I like I like how that booth worked. I'm guessing uh, you don't want Cal Ripken in the booth next year. I've uh, been watching some of the broadcasts, and I think Cal's pretty green. Not a lot of energy. Not a lot of energy. Got to give me a little energy. Yeah, a great great player. You kind of expect a lot of great stuff. You can get it. And I wouldn't necessarily say that that you're hearing that. Ron Darling, on the other it's hand, good. I think it's superb. But is, don't you find that sometimes, more often than not, it's the guys who aren't great who are the better analysts? The great, the great, great players generally. I yep. mean, listen, we've Magic Johnson, Jerry Rice, Emmett Smith, 
Cal Ripken, Ray Lewis. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Maybe because they didn't observe a lot. Maybe they have to think a lot. I don't know. But generally, they're not great. I think the guys who have to sit and watch are better. Right. Like Remy. I mean, Remy was a good player, but, you know, he was not a, he was not a great player. Yeah. I, you know, I Chris th- Collinsworth was not a great good player, not a great player. Was good. I mean, those guys were above board. Yeah, those, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, were, they not, were really not immortals, an all-star though. team. And, yeah, and, but I'm saying not immortals, though. Like, they don't. They had to work for it. That's why I think Lou, yeah. Lou Maloney is so good. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. I think Lou's, Lou's upside is phenomenal. Told him that years ago. One of the reasons we wanted him in right. in 13 for the postseason yeah. was he sees things that others don't see. Remy, for example, this year, talking about the catcher closing up the knees when he's given a sign so the runner at first base can't see it. Now, I, I guess I knew that. Or tap the umpire on the shin guard when the pitch was a fastball in mm-hmm. so that he'll be aware of where it's coming at 98 miles on. Those are great little observations that I thought he made on a nightly basis that I don't remember sitting next to anyone hearing before. And I've done games with 100 guys. Right. So when you can come away with that, and that's kind of, I think, to your point on Ripken, you want to come away thinking, yeah, I didn't know that. I had ne- I've watched a billion games, never heard that before. That's what you look for in a great analyst. Here's what, I've talked about this, and I'll be interested to hear what you say about this. I don't want any more when I'm watching a baseball game. It just feels antiquated to me now. I don't want the traditional play-by-play analyst. I want more of a conversation during the game. You want a talk show. I want a talk show with, uh, with the play-by-play element somehow thrown in. It mm-hmm. just feels like, the. I say this all the time, the only thing that really hasn't changed since 1930 in America is how a baseball game is called for some reason. I want it to be, and I think you can do it. I've heard you on talk shows. I've been on talk shows with you before. You can you can do that. You can go back and forth. I think Eckersley can do it. I know Remy can do it. Lions can probably do it. It doesn't have to. On May 12th in Minnesota, I don't need to know right. the 3-1 pitch. That's just, and I'm, maybe I'm in the minority of that, but I just feel like the way, society, the way television is now, you need more of that. And the world, by the way, wouldn't end if you guys actually disagreed and had an argument on the air once in a while. That never happens. Well, I mean, I don't mean like, like, like you know, like, hey, he was out, he was safe arguing. I'm talking an actual, real argument. Yeah. yeah. Well, you are describing a talk show, what, which well, is what some, you some what you marriage do for of the living. two. Some yeah. marriage of the two. I'm saying. I don't know if that's yeah. possible to do. Maybe, maybe it's not possible to do. Boy, you know, you've got certain constraints in a in a broadcast yeah, that yeah. you don't have on a talk right. show. I have a million reads you have to do too, right? Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a lot. Of, it's a busy. This is a busy broadcast for a lot of reasons. Sure. Uh, you want David Price. You want Craig Kimbrell. You want to pay these salaries. You know, part of mm-hmm. it is funneled through the broadcast, for sure. for sure. I'm very much aware of that. But, I mean, I'll take that as – I'll take that under consideration. I think that, that probably most fans do want to hear conversation and occasional disagreement. I'm not saying that didn't happen, by the way. I right. thought that we did have broadcasts where we disagreed about – not about the designated hitter, but it might be about – uh, what a player did in Los Angeles the night before, what, right. how an umpire reacted by ejecting a player, that sort of thing. Sure. It doesn't have to be all nuts and bolts. I get that about right. the game. But I do think fans, Kirk, tune in to hear the ball club play. They do tune in to, to hear the game. I agree, but they want personality too, though. Well, you I want both. But, which I, I know that's what you're trying to do. There was a point, and I'm going to blank on this, and it's stupid. I took the note down. Eckersley was talking about his own alcohol addiction this year. Well, about Albert Bell. Albert Bell. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to me that you kind of weren't comfortable going into that. Is that a fair criticism or is that not true? You're just going on to something else. Well, I know, we talked I, about I it. know I'm the one who brought it up. Okay. And it seemed like X started talking about it and then you kind of right. just went back to, was that just a, a matter of something else is going on? You got to get to it? Or are you thinking, Jesus, this is sort of an area that I'm not yeah. comfortable during a game? I think both. Uh, yeah. I think uh, my memory of that is something was occurring, but also – 
I didn't feel like the the guy sitting in Newton watching tonight's game wants to hear necessarily about Dennis Eckersley's battle with alcohol. Oh, see, I totally disagree because but, you're, you're talking about a guy who watches the games night in, night out, hundreds of hours, and they love Eck. Right. And they're thinking, geez, you know, Eck never talks about this for 90 seconds or two minutes. That's way more interesting to me than that at bat. Yeah, I thought we actually did talk about it for 90 seconds Maybe you did. Maybe, maybe, maybe you did. Maybe but you did. I think what you're indicating is you'd like to hear that for the next three outs. Maybe well, into the third inning. No, you might like be right. To... I understand that there has to be a balance. I understand that. I get that. But I'm yeah. thinking, because I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've never heard this before. And I, I obviously knew about it. But you had history. never heard about the Albert Bell part of it until I brought it up. True, yeah. What was it? It was... Well, Albert Bell had approached Eck. Um, right, right, While right. Eck was still playing and right. thanked him right. for right. being so forthcoming about his own battle with alcoholism. That got out there mm-hmm. because you know about it now. Right. That's the reason it got out there. But right. I think, um, you know, it, it's certainly worth considering and the, the changing way people watch sports. Well, that's it, the other thing. Right. Is, is something that I think, yeah, we, we probably have to absolutely pay attention to. And is, it, is that the way to go? Is, is it to – because I can do that. I can do that kind of broadcast too. Right. Um, and might wind up doing a lot more of that. Did you – so you guys get all the – how much – of an average game as the average fan watch. Like, we have listeners, they'll tune in for seven, eight minutes, and they'll go to the other station, they'll come back, yeah. and they, you know, do you guys, is it way less now than it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and is the median age troubling? The median age in baseball has gotten pretty old. It's yeah. gotten older, uh, although it's funny, on the West Coast games, it, it goes way well, down. Well, that makes sense, right? People you got to stay down. awake, sure. yeah. But I think that uh, what you might find interesting is how long people watch a game on Nesson. Mm-hmm. Because they will hang in there for 45 minutes. That's a long time. It's a long time. Right. It's time spent viewing. It's huge. Right. On, on this level. And that's live. People watching commercials live, which they don't do anymore. Right. So I, right. I, that part of it, and you know, the numbers were up about 28% this right. year because the club was so much better. But they also watched longer. Mm-hmm. And, and that was great to see, I think, because this team scored runs. And you, you wanted to see David Ortiz next at bat. Sure. People hung in there. Hopefully that will be the case next year. Uh, it's going to determine a, a lot of things. But I think that it, the time spent viewing is really strong on most local regionals, most most regional sports networks, when the club's good. Right. Otherwise, it's I'm catching the score. Even if they're out of the race, I'm gone. I'm going to watch Modern Family. What's going on with my guy Strysky? Strusky? Strysky? Strysky, the striker. Strysky. Yeah. yeah. Why Why do I not see him? You know, what's it feels like he goes away and he comes and he goes. I'm sensing – Something's going on there. Talented kid. He's a very, very talented kid. He's in on the kid. joke, which I like, too. Yeah. Like, he doesn't pretend that he's something that he's not. I know? think I, I like him a lot. Really like working with him. I have no idea what what anyone's schedule is. Garen Austin appears in games, obviously. She works really hard. Dude, it just seems like you show up and people appear around you. You don't know what's going on. It's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of the way of it <laughs> yeah. at, at where I am at this point. But do, I, you, do, but do you ever say, hey, I'm not saying you like Gary better than Garen or you like Eck better than Remy or whatever. Do you ever say, hey, just a heads up, we like uh, him more than her or her more than him or this more than that? I express my opinion, sure, privately. Yeah. Sure, I do. You care um, to do it publicly, or no? Okay, no, absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> no. But what I'm what I'm telling yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. when I'm telling you about these the the analysts I work with, I right. say that privately as as well as publicly. Mm-hmm. Do, you, th- do you think that of the three analysts, you have one you prefer more than the two uh, the other two? Well, the guy I work with the most is is Jerry, Jerry and mm-hmm. I I felt like a hundred games with Jerry, yep. and and the other two guys, Eck and and Steve, split those games. I feel like 
by the end of the season, we had gotten into a, a nice rhythm and a solid chemistry, and it was a work in progress. It evolved as the season went along. So, mm-hmm. you know, I consider Jerry my partner. Right. Yeah. Well, um, all right, we'll go back here. Uh, we, we have to. It's, we talked about it so much. How did you feel Nesson handled the whole process, uh, whatever it was, a year and a half ago? Was it that uh, long ago? A year, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, uh, I wish like a lot of people uh, involved, that uh, it could have been done better, right? differently, uh, so that so many folks didn't feel awful. Were you surprised at the outrage? I was surprised, um, not at the outrage and the, and the backlash. I, I, was, um, I, was, I was taken aback. I guess I was taken aback by some of the, the, the vitriolic response by some people. But there was part of me, this is going to sound weird, that was heartened by it because people it was a kind passion, of, right? Well, yeah, yeah, they kind of fall in love with with a club and a broadcast mm-hmm. team and all of that, and someone who's in your your living room, by the way, does a hell of a job in Don Orsillo, right? And so um, some of that, the, some of the bitterness got me uh, a little bit, and 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 caught me by surprise. But yeah, there was a heartening part of it too, like, well, this is New England, this is Boston, this is this is the way it is here. You know, in a positive way. Right. How how icy was the relationship with you and Rosillo the end of that year? You know, people are going to be surprised, and you may not believe this, but not at all. Really? Because um, I was told this year in San Diego it was a little icy. With? With you two, with you and Rosillo. Oh, no, no, no. No, not at all. all? You still talk to him? Sure. Oh, yeah? Okay, well, I don't, well, talk, I don't, I don't talk to him uh, every day. Yeah. I, don't, I don't text him or anything right. like that. Did you get along with him? I walked into Don's booth, and uh, we shook hands, and yeah. we had a, a quick conversation. It was very cordial mm-hmm. saw him after the game uh went it went just fine i i don't honestly think that uh people who have been in the business a long time uh look at that and go what happened as regrettable as it was and i wish it had been handled different i think everybody believes it should have been handled better and more and 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 more positively i still think don understands the business i understand the business uh you know you were on a television station and then you were off a television station, and now you're back. Right, and I'll be off again soon. I <laughs> <laughs> was on yours for a while, too, right? You've had a, a, a huge change on your morning show. True. This is, this is broadcasting. Yeah. It's kind of what we sign up for. Sure, but, um, you can sp- but I think about it from your perspective. Last year, when this is going on, and it was by far, from our, the biggest Red Sox story of the year last year, A, they sucked, which, which really makes it a bigger story, right? I'm thinking of you, that final series where it's all Orsillo all the time. You must be thinking in the back of your head, oh, Jesus, I'm walking into this next year. Sure. There's no question. It was a very, very, very tough period. It was harder for him. Don't, yeah. I mean, don't, well, he, don't get that wrong. He on his feet, though. But, but yeah, going right. through that was more – but it was really difficult to be around uh, all of that and, and to realize, well, I'm walking into that next year. Um, I wasn't coveting that. I'm really grateful that I'm in the spot that I'm in and that people wanted me to do this right. uh, based on, you know, showing up, working hard, uh, just putting forth my best effort. I thought, yeah, okay, if they want me to be in, in this position, I'm all for that. But the aftermath was was really rough for everybody. Were you surprised when they initially uh, – I'm assuming they initially approached you. Were you surprised given that Rosillo had been there for a long time, people seemed to like him? Were you surprised or were you aware that things were going on? I wasn't. I wasn't really aware that, that anything was going to happen. My contract was up. Yep. Don's was up at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was thinking I'm coming back to do radio. Really? That, that was Yeah, that was my thought. Where? Here. 
Oh, oh, coming back to do with, with Castiglione. Sure? I thought you yeah. meant I thought you meant like a talk show radio. Oh, I got uh-huh. you. And so you were, so you were prepared to to resign and sure. do that. Sure, yeah. I was. Yeah, a- yeah, absolutely. And they wanted to go in a different in a different way. And yeah, there was a moment where I was like, wow, um, boy, that's a surprise. But you know, you work your whole life and. You, you, you work your tail off, and, and you hope that people recognize if you're doing decent work. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of followed. And, you know, right. I've been on ESPN for 16 sure. years. Sure, sure, sure. Didn't just show up off the, off the turnip truck yesterday. So I felt like, okay, uh, that, that part of it maybe makes some sense. But uh, the rest of it was very difficult. Um, and you hear, you know, I worked with, I was never really worked with Nesson. I never got a single note from Nesson. We were simulcast on Nesson for a while, and then we weren't. And you hear nightmare stories about Nesson from people who have worked there, from people who still work there. Are those, uh, I'm not going to ask you if Nesson's a nightmare to work for, obviously, but do you recognize some of those thoughts? Is it, is it a difficult place to work at times or no? I don't go in except for an occasional meeting. Um, they've been really good to me in the sense that they've allowed me to do my job and stayed out of the way, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Sure. Because I think they're under the impression that if we hire someone who knows what they're doing, we're all good. Right. Everything will be fine. And I do believe that that's the case moving forward. Uh, I don't spend a lot of time uh, there, and I pretty much, when I show up at the ballpark, either home or road, I'm in clubhouses and, and the batting cage and up mm-hmm. in the booth. That's that's where I am. So. You know, the, the drama that maybe you're describing, I'm not aware of. No? I'm not aware of you that. You never heard about it? Uh, obviously, I heard a lot of stories before I accepted the position. Right. You know. Right. And um, a lot of different things. But you hear that about almost any network. That's true. You know, I, I heard it before I signed on with ESPN. Mm-hmm. I, I heard it before I signed on with the uh, the network in Florida when I was doing mm-hmm. doing the Marlins, Marlins back yeah. then, too. You hear it here. Sure, I'm the reason for it here. I'm the one, <laughs> the one who says it the most. Are you crazy? Yeah. Uh, the other big debate, the final, well, two more questions. I'll let you get out of here. Um, I'm not, I, I think it's a fine call. No problem. But the David Ortiz, David Ortiz, David Ortiz call, historically, I'm going to say around here, especially like my friends like Bradford and Mutt, it was a good call. I'm not going to call it a great call. You just said the guy's name three times. Right. Right? I mean, I'm not well, saying I think more than that. I called well, the play. Yeah. Yes, but I'm saying I'm, it's a good call. Did you did you have it scripted? Did you did what are you thinking? You're not like one of these guys like Grandy, right? Was everything scripted out? No, no. How do I script? Uh, uh, well, did, you're thinking Ortiz up right now. You're thinking, okay, if he gets a home run, I'm going to say this. Well, that's. I mean, that isn't scripted. That's. Well, uh, it's pre whatever. I, I I swear to God. Do you ever? You don't. Do, do, no. You have to. You have to preface it. I believe you. you yeah. You have to swear not, to God. On everything. Not for one moment did I think anything other than came out of my mouth at the instant that I said. Do you it. script things like? Do you think when the playoffs start, if the Red Sox win the World Series, I'm going to say this? Uh, and when the Sox won the 13 World Series, right. I thought to myself. Boston Strong should be part of that call somewhere. Sure. So sure. I incorporated that. That was a good call. Didn't s- didn't script it, said it, wanted right. to put it in there, wanted to get it right for, right. for history's sake. Um, look, you, you can have your opinion on, on anybody's spur-of-the-moment play-by-play call. That's sure. fine. You may love it. You may hate it. I'm all for that. Yeah. Um, luckily, a lot of people liked it. They all love the people love you know, it. They don't like it. They love it. And and I think that what I'm proud of with that call is it captured the tone and the spirit of the moment. Right. That's what I liked about it. Well, for sure, if he doesn't hit that home run, they're home. 
they're not winning that series. No there's, question. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So I'll hang my head on that. I, 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 if your if your critique of my call was it sounded scripted, not scripted. No, no, no. It was a, it was a fine call. But you know, the problem is I get in arguments with guys like Bradford yeah, and Mutt, yeah. and then you got to take one side and the other sure. side. I mean, it was a fine call. He said the guy's name three times. That's all. It was a good call. Yeah, it's a good call. Better than I would have done in that situation. I'll give you that. Well, I mean, I there's no way to predict. You you can say, well, yeah, David Ortiz. What if he struck out? True. What if what if he dumped a single into left? Right. It's right. nowhere near well, the, the coming out of your seat moment that it is. And and my thought was, David Ortiz, he's done it again, basically. And instead of something as uh, pedestrian as he's done it again. Right. I wanted to try and uh, go for a slightly different angle there. That's all. Is this your real voice? It's my real voice, yeah. So when you're talking to the kids or you're talking to the, you know, you're going to get milk or something, this is the Dave O'Brien voice. So I'm standing in a bank the other day in a bank line, which nobody does anymore. Yeah, what are you doing in the bank? And and a woman in front of me turns and goes, are you, just because I was on the cell phone. Yeah. And I just hung up the phone. That happens every once in a while, and that's how I know. You know, this is authentic. This is me. This is how I actually talk. That's so, do you have a problem with with this? No, or? but it's 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 but it's a it's like a radio guy voice. That's different than my voice. That's all. You've got a very nice, articulate, clean radio voice. But, and I wonder sometimes, you know, yeah, it's like the Ted Baxter thing. Where it's oh, like, yeah, are you yeah. are you yeah. really talk like this in real life? That's yeah. all. Well, I mean, I learned I learned how to do this uh, through years of being on radio. Sure, and, sure. And then broadcasting school at yeah. Syracuse and, and all of it. You came a different way. I sure did. And you didn't come through. I'll, I'll give you a great story. Maybe you won't think it's great. Go ahead. I'm on a plane about three years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting and snoozing a little bit. We're about to take off. Somebody comes in front of me, sits down in the open seat next to me. Right. We take off, hit some turbulence. We're flying Seattle to L.A. Uh, I wake up. I start talking with this guy. And he's got a voice like nobody's I've ever heard before. Right. He's, you know, we're chatting about kids. He knows a lot about baseball. I'm like, how does he know all these guys in baseball? And I go, what do you do for a living? He goes, well, I'm a singer in a band. And I said, anybody I've heard of? And he went, well, the name of the band is Pearl Jam. <laughs> you know you know, it was Vetter? I did not know it really? was Ed Vetter right. sitting next to me. And he had this voice from... He's got a great voice, right? But totally different from... Oh, really? Not a broadcast sound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right. You know, this great great organic sort of sound to it. And uh, the the long and the short of the story is he takes his ticket. When we land, we have this great conversation. He writes, wherever you are in the world, anybody you want to send to come see us, call this number. Really? Have you done that? I sent like 15 people to go and see him. And it's worked? You've been able to get it on? Really? He was the coolest guy in the world. And he's buddies with Epstein. Buddies with Epstein right. and a lot of a lot of people in baseball. Yeah, but uh, I felt like a dope, obviously afterwards. But he was he was wonderful because he was going to bury a friend in Los Angeles. Yeah, and he said, "This conversation has taken my mind off it. I thank you so much. Here's what I'll do for you." You're gonna be one of these guys. You said you're 52. Is that what you said? 53. 53. Are you gonna be one of these guys who's gonna be doing it like when you're 85? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I as, think as great as Vince Scully is, I gotta admit, I maybe won't say this. Is part of me that feels almost uncomfortable watching somebody that old working that much. Like it just, I may, I, I, I know that's against what everybody else says, but it just feels almost like he's clearly not as good as he used to be. 89 years old, it's hard to oh, of course. argue that he's as good as he was right. 59. And he's sitting there singing. It's just the whole thing seemed weird to me. But I an, don't know. I mean, an, an amazing, incredible career. Oh, You've got to celebrate what the, he did. One of the great – I know, but do I need him singing beneath my wings for six minutes of the game? Maybe not. But I, I will say, for me, the travel, the time away from home, all of that stuff, right. which, look, I'm not complaining. I love my job. Love calling baseball, college basketball. 
can't wait to get started on that. Yeah. Uh, but well, how many nights a week are you gone for that? Boy, that could be three, four, five. Depends really? on how many games. That's a lot. Know, if it's a Saturday afternoon, you're in right. on a Friday. Right. You're going to see practice, and then you're calling the game on a Saturday. If you've got another game on Monday, you're traveling Sunday. Mm-hmm. Call the game Monday. Hopefully, you're home Tuesday. If it hadn't worked out for you, uh, so let's just say that last year, you know, EI for some reason it didn't didn't go through, and Orsillo stayed at Nesson. Could you have gone to ESPN full time? Well, I am at ESPN, I, but I mean, time. could you have, would you have done increased work at ESPN? Yes, would, yes, yeah. And you been okay with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that's a little different than calling a sure. game every night for a hundred. We did one hundred fifty six. You get integrated with a team, and that becomes part of the well, you're what, bouncing around. And I more. like that. I like the idea of being with a ball club. You know, when I was doing the games on radio, mm-hmm. like three or four years in, one of the coaches for the Red Sox said, "You know, we all thought you just did this as a hobby because you're on ESPN, ESPN and you're doing all." And I'm like, no, I, I love I love right. doing a game every night if right. I can. Yeah. Someone wants me to do it. They also pay. Yeah. That helps. Yeah. yeah, it's not a hobby, but it's something you like to do. It, yeah. it is. But, I mean, you're not going to – I'm not going to retire on it. Right. You know? Well, believe, believe me, you're not yeah. going to retire on that. Right. So you'd better love it. It had better be a passion for you. And, you know, I'm not saying I've got it licked. There's a lot of things – some of the things you've said today I've, I've given me pause. But, honestly, I think that um, there's no better job. There's no better profession – to be in if you love sports and and I and you do and you know what a kick this is sure it's great it's great yeah but you know I'm gonna get fired eventually you're not <laughs> that's that's the big difference you never know oh I gotta give you credit you only use the media guide three times during this interview <laughs> congratulations what do you think of the hair honestly I'm not, I'm not sold yet but I, but you know between swearing on your kids lives and God I think I have to go with you on that one <laughs> you have to. it makes me a little uncomfortable you have no choice I you said any, God. any criticisms or questions you feel free well, I mean, because I'm I, sure you were, you know, we have mutual friends, obviously. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I think you do listen a little bit. I, I catch you on occasion when I'm going to the airport. Right, I will say that, but otherwise, we're on different ends of the That's day. That's true. So I hear I'm always reluctant to say anything. You're hearing things secondhand. I, w- I didn't want to pick up the phone and call you and say, "Kirk, you busted me. me on my hair." Because well, who did you, well, you hear this from? Give me your sources. Uh, well, a neighbor, one of my neighbors, okay. and then uh, it it went down the line Mutt? to to somebody. Uh, Bradford. No, I, I think I asked uh, Bradford about it. What did he say? And he said, "Yeah, he he says you dye your hair, right?" And I'm like, or he says, he, you know, you're not you don't have enough sizzle, or you don't have this, or whatever. And I'm like, wow, you know, how about somebody giving me a break here? You know, <laughs> just just got on the air five minutes ago at the job, and all of a sudden there's you know lack of chemistry, and there's this, and I'm like, come on, I mean, really. Uh, but I understand you've got a job to do, right? And I, I believe me, I respect your opinion. The fact that uh, you know you speak your mind, I think mm-hmm. that's wonderful. It's what you have to do. Fantastic. It's what, what, what you right. have to do, right? And and I feel like I do that too. I do it more than than maybe you're giving me credit for. You might be right. Um, but I, I hope that in the coming years, as I get more and more comfortable mm-hmm. with this role that uh, that'll become more evident. Are you going to introduce yourself again next year and say this not. is my second season with the Red I'll Sox? I'll never do it again I grew after up what here. you said to me today. No. What do you mean? What town did you grow up in? Uh, born in Quincy. Born in Quincy. Grew yeah. up in Marshfield. Okay. Uh, on the South Shore and then yeah. moved to New Hampshire for high school. Right. And then eventually college. So who was your announcer guy growing up? Who was the guy you, you listened to the Well, most? they were the Red Sox guys. Right. Um, just, just like you. And Ned you're gonna, Martin. and Ned Martin, Ken right. Coleman. Right. Sean McDonough. Sean McDonough. Even though Sean was just a few years ahead of me at Syracuse. Right. I'm like, you know, this, this is one of, my, one of my, he is my favorite announcer. He's your favorite announcer right now today. No question. He's also a great friend. He's a great guy. And, uh, but my favorite announcer going today is Sean McDonough. Sean McDonough is the best guy going. You think, that's another thing. I think McDonough is awesome. But I'm, and I'm going to be critical here, sort of, 
but maybe I shouldn't be because I think you can understand this, is I'm sensing a little early chemistry issues with he and Gruden a little bit. I think McDonough's been fine. I think he's great. I think he's the best play-by-play guy there is, but it seems odd. And maybe that's because I'm so used to hearing Tariqo with Gruden. Maybe it's not even actually the case. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's my own listening perspective. Do you, do you, do you get that? Uh, I think that's a work in progress. Yeah. I do. I think it's going to work. So do I. Because Sean's so damn good. Right. And Gruden's outstanding. And what, what he does, it's going to come together. But, you know, it was I heard some of the same stuff early in the baseball season. You know, ah, you know, these guys are, you know, the humor and this and that. Well, did you think at the start of the season, you know, Jesus, maybe this is a mistake. No. With, even, in, even like spring training with all the Orsillo shit and all this and all that, did you ever think – you know what? I should have just signed. I should just be at ESPN full time. It's easy. There's not. There's any pressure. Not. There's no pressure to ESPN. But there's no localized sort of stuff at ESPN. You kind of bounce from town to town and do your yeah. job. The localized stuff does make a difference because you hear it and it right. It, it I mean, makes more of an impact right. in, in a sense. But because I've been on a national stage a long time and people take shots at national guys too, I thought my skin was pretty tough yeah. at, at that point, and I thought I could get through it. The overriding thing was it's a great job. Yeah. It's a great job, and I love being there. So mm-hmm. that's what I kept reminding myself in those early days. By the way, I thought in spring training, Jerry and I clicked almost immediately. I was I was surprised when anybody said anything other than that. But you know how that goes, though. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, people are you know that's the way people are. All right, I'm a, thanks for coming in. It takes you know I was shocked that you did it. You're the first Nesson personality, by the way. Really? To be on the enough, but I was told there was an Nesson band. No, no, Nesson band. I was told that. No, my producer, my producer lied to me. Um, Bad Kitchen? I've never heard that. Uh, well, that might have been true. At I don't some like Jerry's point. coming on anytime soon. But uh, well, I'll talk to him. You're going to talk to Remy? I'll talk to him and see if do you want him on? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to have Remy on. Well, I did it. True. And, true. And this was not painful. There were there were no. moments here where, yeah, I mean, okay, I had to explain some things. But sure. I, I hope that's the case. Yep. I, I, I hope nope. even, if, even if you don't regard certain people, that at least you look at the, the profession of play-by-play and doing the job as – as an honorable one. I hope you do. Well, it's a, you know, I think it's a necessary job. I would like to see, and it's not going to happen, I know. I'd like to see a little bit of a shift. Not, not an extreme shift, but a little bit more toward I the, don't think you're, you're necessarily wrong about that, and I, I think you may be mistaken that it's not going to happen. Okay. And I'll let, you, I'll let you go. I know it's just for men time. Here we go. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm starting to see a couple of grays already. You're awful. What no. do you mean? I want my hair to come in gray, by the way. Just, just to taunt me with it? Not to taunt you, but because a little more of a natural look. I'm gonna feel when it when it does, and it is beginning to. Yeah. When it does, I'm gonna feel more um, professorial. I'm gonna feel more mature. Oh, you'll feel better about yourself. Well, I think. think people look at have looked at me as a really young guy for a long time. Yeah. And I'm not anymore. Right. But the hair kind of makes and when by you saying I'm dying my hair when I'm not, that makes it sound like I'm I'm trying to play. Did tricks you consider with a people. lawsuit at the time? A libel suit against me? Consider it. Good. You should do that. You should should do that. My attorney's outside the door. (laughs) All right, Dave. I'll talk to you. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Thanks. All right. Thanks again for listening to the Enough About Me podcast. Actually, you know what? I'm really not thankful at all. You should be thanking me. You get this shit every week. These great podcasts, totally free. Do me a favor. Would you go to iTunes, download it, go to Stitcher, do the same, and leave a rating, leave a review. That's where you can help me out. This podcast is going to be number one again. I guarantee it. And you're going to help me along with the process. So for that, I guess at the end, maybe I will thank you. There's a lot of thank yous going back and forth. Here's the point. Fuck you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.